Backfield boys, alright. Countdown in three, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Backfield Boys. This is yours truly, Brendan, and as always, I'm joined by Lucas and Jackson. How's it Yo. going, fellas? Going pretty good, dude. I can't complain, actually. Kentucky won. Pretty good Kentucky win for y'all. Won. Yeah. Cra- crazy I mean, week of football in general. Everyone's yeah. crazy. It's not that shocking, though, dude. It's not. Because if I do the math here, what's 56 plus 52? What is that? 108? 108, yeah. Plus 45 is 150, 163? <laughs> this isn't the math field. Place, bro. <laughs> 108 plus 40 would be 148. <laughs> okay. Plus... Eight would be 156. <laughs> okay, and you're so in Kentucky and Louisville's last three meetings, <laughs> they've outscored them 156 to 23 plus 21 is 44. So 156 to 41. It's not even a rivalry anymore, dude. I, I was just gonna <laughs> say it. it's yeah. like Georgia Tech. It's like Georgia and Georgia Tech. It's not even a rivalry anymore. No, Very but all. All three of us had a great rivalry weekend. I mean, Bama had the incredible comeback. You guys handled your business, dominated. So, incredible weekend in college football for all of us. I wish I could say the same about the NFL, but my Steelers are an absolute train wreck. They're Man, bad. Like, They're really it's bad. bad. It, it, it's honestly blown my expectations of how bad I thought things could actually get early in the season. When we were one in three before we won some games where we got back into the thick of things. This is bad. Like, Dude, I don't I know. I just don't see Cincinnati being better than the – Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, I mean, after doors off, y'all. Hey, hey, Molly Rock, y'all. After years of, you know, the Marvin Lewis days in Cincinnati where they were bottom feeders. I mean, not even bottom feeders. They'd win like eight or nine games a year, sometimes 10 games, make the playoffs, lose. I was accustomed to Cincinnati being the good old Bengals. But, I mean, things have obviously changed. And the direction they're heading in with Burrow, with Mixon, with Chase, I mean, they have a lot of young guns on that team that are really hungry. And I mean, it speaks to the leadership of Zach Taylor. It speaks to the leadership of Burrow. I mean, they came in and they, I feel like they had a mental edge from opening kickoff. Cause we just looked lethargic. I mean, Ben played a terrible game. Najee only got eight carries over the entire game. We completely abandoned the run. I mean, some of, some of our receivers had pretty good games. Deontay Johnson had a good game. Claypool had a good game, but Ben was wildly inaccurate. He looked slow. I mean, slower than usual. I mean, he looked like he was walking through quicksand. It was bad. Um, I've just honestly completely given up hope on this year, and I just hope we keep losing so we get a high draft pick. Because the Steelers, even when we suck, I feel like we always win seven or eight games and end up with a mediocre draft pick. And that is so frustrating because if you're going to suck, you might as well suck bad enough to pick in the top five because that's what changes franchises. Yeah, trust me. That's what the Falcons have been dealing with for years now. So, <laughs> besides last season, I mean, we've been seven and nine. So, many I mean, times. I don't know, B. You told me all you guys were missing was a quarterback. That was it. You had the best young talent in the NFL. So, I mean, I don't really think yeah. a draft pick should be that important to you. It's kind of one of those things where, when I look at our team, obviously there are some holes. Like in the second, excuse me, in the secondary, 
there's some big holes. If we get a really nice draft pick, getting Evan Neal out of Alabama, and I say this with no bias, he's by far the best offensive lineman in college football. Our offensive line is bad this year, but he is absolutely incredible. I don't yeah, think he's given up a – your offensive line's young. It's going to get better. You don't need him. I, but I think having an anchor like that really helps. I mean, look at Darius. I mean, you, you, would you, what were they, the best PFF graded offensive line during the preseason? <laughs> yeah, no, they, <laughs> they were, and they've been better. Like, the offensive line really isn't the problem. Like, it's like, uh, I, a list of uh, the myriad of problems of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The offensive line is like fourth or fifth. Like, it's not in our top three. It really isn't. But getting another great piece on it would bode so well for a young quarterback coming in the next two or three years. It just would. The thing is, I don't know how much an offensive lineman will change, like, because, like, I feel offensive linemen are good and, you know, they help, obviously, but I don't know if that really changes the issue that you have right now. You need a quarterback, and you're not going to mm. find one just laying around, you know, in the third or later rounds. Yeah. You'd have to pick one in the first. And I could definitely see that happening this year, you know, especially there's a lot of, like, you know, they someone said like five, like four or five quarterbacks draft in the first round, and it's what? not even. It's not even a good year. It's not. I, even I can't a good see year. that happening. I see maybe three tops, but I mean, I don't. I, I the thing mean, is, I, the I, demand is so high for them that yeah, yeah. The, the teams that will need them or like want to flip, like you know, try and flip the page, they'll go out and get those guys, especially where you know Senior Bowl is getting a lot of really you know noteworthy players. Like Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, both just committed to the Senior Bowl. They're probably going to get Kenny Pickett. Probably going to get Sam Howell. You know, those guys are going, and they will, and they'll get drafted in the first round because of that. All right. Well, let me ask you both this. So obviously, Jackson, you guys got Kyler Murray. You got nothing to worry about. Lucas, yeah, that's I mean, not true. oh, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I forget you're worried about baseball. Bowl, if we win a Super Bowl, he'll go play baseball. Regar- I mean. All right. That would be insane. <laughs> whether whether that I, I doubt that'll happen, whether it's the case or not. Okay. Looking at this quarterback draft class, if you had to pick someone, who do you think is gonna have the best career? Like who do you think out of this myriad of quarterbacks would be like the best bet to be that next star? Because I don't see it Corral. from any one of these guys. Corral? Can he pick yeah. it? Corral would see, be my pick. Because I feel like he's got a good deep ball and he's mobile. Mm. Yeah, see, it's, I would it's agree. Corral or pick it for me. I, I would probably lean Corral with Jackson. The only reason being is he's played really stiff competition and looked good doing it. I still have some cause to pause about him. You know, I think he's a little bit overrated. Not saying that he doesn't deserve to be a first rounder, but I think in any other year with a good quarterback class, all these quarterbacks we're talking about, whether it's Pickett, whether it's Corral, whether it's Malik Lewis, they would all be second rounders if there was a quarterback class like last year. I don't think Corral would have been a second rounder. I just – I don't know. I mean, he, I don't know if Corral has the body of an NFL quarterback. I don't know if Corral has – like, because, I mean, obviously, like, we've seen guys like Kyler that are – I mean, Kyler's small. but Kyler's he's, built. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's built. He is such an athlete that he kind of makes up for it. And Corral's really skinny. I mean, he just – he, he doesn't really have the presence of an NFL quarterback to me in the pocket. And I don't think – you know, I just don't think he would have the pocket presence to carry a franchise. Maybe he could go somewhere like Atlanta. I think Atlanta would actually be a really good fit for Corral because, Lucas, you guys should win like seven, maybe eight games. If you just miss out on the playoffs, Corral should be there around pick 12, 13, 14. Maybe you guys snag him because I think Matt Ryan 
give him another couple years. He's either going to move on or retire. I don't see him being Atlanta's quarterback for the next four or five years. Maybe I'm wrong, but after that contract, I don't know. I think Atlanta well, kind of in a transitive phase is going to want to move in a different direction. The thing is, I don't, I don't know if it's like all on how he finishes the year this season, but I think they're as one way that they can free up cap space because Matt Ryan is 49 million due next year. And that is a lot of money. I, yeah, I could see a scenario where if he finishes the year, well, I mean, he's proven that he can play really well in the system. He hasn't, it hasn't had a great couple last couple, but if he does prove he can, you know, stay around or whatever, I could see them extending him actually just a couple of years, like two, three years to kind of move around that money some, but I totally wouldn't be opposed. I'm like way more open to drafting a quarterback after this year, especially I guess with this new new like system and everything. Yeah. You know, you can get a new new guy in, young, kind of coach him up, and he doesn't have to play right away. And I'm more like I'm more open to the idea. It's just the issue so many holes on the defense. Know about the line, you know, it's just it's a lot of question on this team where you know spending a first round on be in the future but if it's a but set back another you know six seven years speaking of teams that might need a new quarterback lamar jackson looked awful okay, <laughs> last is... night and we got to get into this whole this whole um this whole twitter story with jackson kelly because there there was some some big lamar slander going on from your corner the other night oh dude i blew up i got famous <laughs> it was crazy it's not shocking you go famous in the Twitter spaces because those places are I love just it's a Dude, funny. It was spot. like twelve thousand people in it. It was all about how like transgenders are bad people and like so you know how that would go over on Twitter. Yeah, World War I III. just requested to speak, <laughs> and like he was going through and he showed, someone was like, "My friend's requesting to speak." He's like, "Oh no, Jackson's up next," and I was like, "Oh my god, there's no way." <laughs> And then it made the click, and I was in. He was like, go ahead, Jackson, what's your point? And I was just going off on leftist stuff. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's like people from the left can say Lamar's better in collar with, you know, with no regard. And it's obviously fake. <laughs> and then someone – and then he was like, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and then there was some British woman, and she was saying transgenders don't have, like, can't make critical thinking decisions. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, just like Lamar in the playoffs. <laughs> and she was like, similar, yes. And it just kept going. And then I, you can, like, add, like, tweets to the top. And I kept putting, like, Collar and Lamar slander. <laughs> and, dude, it was so insane. Like, I went from, like, public enemy number one. Like, people were posting pictures of me on Kyle Rittenhouse's head. Oh, my like, God. The favorite, dude. Like, it was chills. And wait, oh th- this was before Sunday night, right? This was Saturday. This was like Saturday at three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. So Lamar <laughs> may have listened to that, and that's what got in his head for that awful performance <laughs> against Cleveland. Maybe, dude. It was crazy because I I couldn't believe. And then he turned out and played bad. And I searched like Lamar spaces, and there's like a decent amount of people was like, "Damn, maybe that dude in spaces was right." <laughs> <laughs> That's so legendary, man. I love Jackson, it. Jackson Kelly living rent free in Lamar's head. I know. 
Because, yeah. oh, I mean, a lot of those mistakes he made were just bizarre. I mean, he just choked completely. He, he I've sure never had seen another pick on that, on that ridiculous Andrews catch. No, I know that that one hit. I mean, that was incredible. Mark Andrews, I mean, I'm kind of I'm very biased because he's my fantasy tight end, but he is incredible, man. Like, he, he single-handedly carried Lamar toward everything Lamar did last night that was somewhat good because everything yeah, else was just god-awful. It was ugly. It was very And they still won because Baker Mayfield, as god-awful as Lamar is, <laughs> was somehow worse. Or not worse uh, pick-wise, but he was still terrible. I mean, like, still god-awful. Is, I, I don't I buy into the injury thing, but I definitely think it's playing a factor. He just needs to stop playing this year. or so, He just needs to rest up. I don't. I just don't think he's that much better than Case Keenum to the point of you just don't let him heal. Yeah, like you, he definitely isn't. Like you can tell he's not himself. Go out there and be this warrior guy where he's just letting he's letting everyone into his head with the that he stinks thing, and he he has stunk. He's been really bad. Do you think it's all due to the injury though? Like I am not sold that it's all Uh, due to the injury. I think the shoulder. I mean, I know he's bang, banged up. I know there's more than just the shoulder going on. I know he has a lot of nagging injuries, but I feel like at this point in the NFL season, everyone's dinged up. Everyone has little nicks and bumps and bruises, and I don't think that's to blame for horrible decision-making. I mean, Odell hasn't been, besides the touchdown he scored against the Packers, Odell has not been great for the Rams. I mean, that's glaringly obvious. He just got there. He has time to improve. But since he's gotten there, they've stunk, and he hasn't been very good. But at the end of the day, the video that Odell Sr. shared of Baker Mayfield missing Odell wide open down the field, that happened. Like, he is missing Jarvis Landry open downfield. He's not hitting his check, check downs. I mean, he's just making really bad decisions. And that's so, I mean, kind of ass backwards of what we thought Baker Mayfield was going to be coming in because he was so accurate coming in as a rookie. He was so accurate at Oklahoma. You know, it's just his, not only has his accuracy deteriorated, but his decision-making and his field vision has just completely collapsed, and he doesn't make good decisions from the pocket anymore. And I'm with you, Jackson. Case Keenum's sitting there. He's a veteran, you know. He's taking teams to the playoffs. Why not try him? Why not sit Baker for the rest of the year or at least – because, I mean, the Browns aren't going to make the playoffs. So you might as well just shut Baker down, ride it out with Keenum, see what you can get for Baker in the offseason – Draft a quarterback or ha- bring in a bridge quarterback. Bring in someone who's going to be a free agent. Try him out. Maybe trade for a Jimmy G, someone like that. Because right now, I take Jimmy G over Baker. I don't know about y'all. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Jimmy G's doing a good job keeping his job right now, dude. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just think it's kind of a dead end. Like, I think Jimmy G is good, but I think he's peaked there. And I think after another year, the 49ers are going to want to just go for Lance. Because Lance is so athletic. Give him another year in the system. I think that Lance's ceiling is going to drive Jimmy G out. And Jimmy G, this year is honestly great for his stock because a lot of teams are looking at him. You know, why wouldn't you want to trade for Jimmy G? Why wouldn't you want to put him on a contending team? Even the Steelers, I mean, next year. If Big Ben retires, you bring – if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, because right now Green Bay looks like the best team in the NFL. And I know, Jackson, we're going to probably debate that in a minute because that that's, I mean, got to be black. I just don't understand too. how last week – it was clearly the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, they're, and then yeah. they have a bye week, and you're like, oh, it's clearly the Packers. Like, it's clearly well, I, the Packers. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's clearly the Packers, but I think them ha- – When I, they I know- beat the Rams by eight. I was okay. going to say, Arizona had At a- home? <laughs> well, listen. And Arizona went into Los Angeles and won by 17 when the Rams better. were, like, the best team. Much and the Rams better. are sputtering right now. I think when we look at it from this perspective – 
Obviously, Arizona, if A.J. Green turned around on that route, they probably would have beat Green Bay. But if we yeah. look at Green Bay, if, if we look at Green Bay's overall <laughs> resume, and I know we're not talking CFP, so resumes don't really mean anything in the NFL, but when we look at their resume, right? Besides week one, they looked awful. They've beaten at they've won at San Fran. They've won in Cincinnati. So is they, Arizona. They've so won Arizona in won. they've won in Arizona. They lost at KC. That was a bad loss. They lost at Minnesota. But the way Minnesota's look besides the loss they had on Sunday, Minnesota has looked Arizona good. Beat Minnesota. Yes, we get all that. We understand that. But what I'm saying, I'm not I'm just saying right now, Green Bay has the head to head. They're nine and three. Arizona's nine and two. I just have more belief and more faith in the Packers in the playoffs than I do the Cardinals right now. And that could all change when Kyler Murray comes back. When Kyler is inserted into the lineup and the Cardinals roll, they get the one seed, they get a bye. They could end up going to the Super Bowl. But I just think right now. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers has proven anything enough for me to say, oh, he's better than the Cardinals. I mean, he's had a really good year so far. I think Aaron Rodgers is in the driver's seat for MVP after Sunday's performance because everyone you else said is that every week. Bag. You said that every week, and then it's just like, then it's Jonathan Taylor. And then, I mean, well, I, I mean Jonathan I don't Taylor, think Aaron Rodgers is doing enough to you know be an MVP again this season. I think it's a team effort from them, not just Aaron yeah. Rodgers making play after play. I think that he'll get consideration. Yeah, but I feel like there's better players that are having like more valuable seasons than him. Brady has more of a chance of MVP than Rodgers right now. Yeah, I, I think I think easily. Yeah, I think Brady's ahead, but two things. To your point, Lucas, I do think Jonathan Taylor so far has been the best player, but I think that that loss against Tampa Bay where they had a big lead, and, you know, they stopped running. I mean, they, they tried to run the ball. Tampa Bay has a really good rush defense. They kind of held Jonathan Taylor in check to some degree. I think Taylor's still been the best player in the NFL this year, but it's hard for a running back to get the award. It's obviously so – it's like the Heisman. It's very heavily slanted toward quarterbacks. And that's my other point. The Heisman race and the MVP race really mirror each other this year because they're both kind of just weird. There's not like one candidate or one player that's really separated themselves from the pack. And obviously I think Bryce Young deserves Heisman going away, but – Due to Alabama's O-line struggles, due to the loss to AM, it's been harder for him to separate himself from the pack and say, hey, you know, I'm just like Devontae last year, Joe Burrow two years before that, where I'm just far and away the best player. We haven't really seen that this year, and it's kind of been fascinating in both the NFL and both college because usually by this time of the year, there's an MVP and there's a Heisman pretty much lapping the pack. I think this year in the NFL especially, we'll get a similar year to like when Tom Brady won it in, what was it, 2017, where it's like, yeah, no, no one else really, you know, like you said, broke away, but like he's had a good enough season and he'll probably end up, you know, one or two seed with his team, you know, those where it's like, like, yeah, it may be a clear man. He had such a season like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers last year, you know, it'll be like, okay, like it'll just be three books and be like, oh, yeah, I remember he had a pretty good year. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but I do think that Brady probably gets it by default now. Like, I feel like he's played the whole entire season, so the best ability is availability. Yeah, that's fair. And plus the Rodgers COVID stuff, like you've made that point, Lucas, the NFL and some media members might kind of look down on him for that, and that would hurt him in the race. Yeah, it definitely plays a factor too. 
So I just don't think – I don't think it's he's clearing away. And I definitely don't think they're clearing away better than Arizona. No, they're definitely especially not. I don't think James, they are at all. Especially if J.J. Watt's back for the playoffs. Like, that I mean, adds a completely un- another dimension to our defense, which is already still one of the best in the league. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it's like you, you listed out those teams, but Carol – or Carol – it better like you know i don't besides the one loss but i mean that was a very we watched very you know i won't say and i understand like the packers didn't have a lot of their players but i mean d hop was hurt collar was hurt they still d hop was just a decoy i mean they were missing people too they missed they didn't have a starting cornerback that game like yeah i I think the point about playoffs makes sense but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is—I mean, not not Aaron Rodgers himself, but like Aaron Rodgers-led teams have not been, you know, historically awesome. Hell, Arizona's beat them twice in the playoffs since he won a Super Bowl, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we got to get into this college football coaching carousel because the last couple of days have been insane. Lincoln Riley to USC, <laughs> just breaking tonight. <clears throat> Brian Kelly going down to Baton Rouge to LSU. Now, this is going to cause a coaching earthquake because right now we're looking at Urban Meyer. Is he going to go to Notre Dame? Is Luke Fickle on the move out of Cincinnati? You know, it, it's just been crazy, man. It's been wild. And it all materialized so fast. Yeah, I think the one surprised me because I the fit seems weird. He's reliable, I guess. But, you know, I don't – doesn't seem like he'd be a big SEC recruiter kind of guy. You know, where, you know, you have Saban – you know, uh, Jimbo's doing a good job. Lane Kiffin is there. Like, you know, there's Billy there's Napier more... right now. Yeah, I mean, like, it just seems like there's, I don't know if there's better guys out there because, I mean, a lot of guys have kind of gotten taken up. Like, I think, I don't know if they pushed all the chips in on him or what, but he seemed like he would have been a good fit there. But obviously, he didn't want to be in the SEC. So I think that hire is really interesting how that plays out. Yeah, honestly, my thing with Brian Kelly is that it's not a hire that I think is sexy. It's not a hire that I think is intriguing. You know, Brian Kelly's had a really good career so far at Notre Dame. He's made two playoffs. He's won 10 or 11 games pretty much every year. He went to the BCS National Championship back in 2012. Um, He's a good football coach. And while I do think LSU could have made a big splash, you know, I think they should have went after Billy Napier hard. I think Florida is very lucky to get him, and I hate to say that, but it's the truth. You know, he's a great recruiter. He did really well at Louisiana, took a really crappy program, turned them into something special. He can do the same at Florida. But I think LSU's biggest problem was structural. I think that they needed someone to come in and be a voice of reason. I think they needed structure. I think they needed someone who can be a leader. And I think Brian Kelly, although, like I said, you know, before the show, he's kind of aloof. He's kind of offsetting. He doesn't have the best personality. He doesn't really fit, like you said, Lucas, the vibe in Baton Rouge. He doesn't because LSU, we think of corn dogs, think of cutoff shorts. That's not Brian Kelly. Okay, Brian Kelly is like, you know, Starbucks and Vineyard Vines. He's not exactly LSU Baton Rouge material. But at the same time, he brings that structure. He brings that, you know, kind of a championship pedigree. You know, although he's never won a ring, he brings that 
We're going to come in. We're going to put a good foundation in place. We're going to win nine or ten games every year. You know, while Saban's still around, while Kirby's still around, we're probably not going to be winning the SEC like our dream run in 2019. But we're still putting something in place that is going to bring structure. It's going to bring good recruiting. And we're at least going to contend. We're not going to, you know, win one year and then fall face the earth the next. I think that's that's kind of what Brian Kelly brings. And uh, as far as Lincoln Riley – Man, that that move was insane. I mean, he literally found out about it after the game, after Bedlam. They reached out. Then the next day, he meets with them. He gets the deal done. He flies out to L.A. And that's just, I mean, it, it's honestly unreal. Yeah, that one, that one makes less sense to me than the Brian Kelly one. Really? Well, I understand from USC's, like, it just seems cowardice to me, bro. Okay. <laughs> That's how I'm I like, like that. I like that. It just seems weak. Is it weak or we, is it smart, though? No, it's weak. I mean, it may be smart it's, in it's terms of him. Probably but, both. But it's weak. Like, yeah, come on, man. Be a man. Like, he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what, why he wanted to go there. So why he wanted to leave Oklahoma. So what you're saying is it's weak for him ducking the SEC and he should have just stuck with Oklahoma being a great program, recruiting If he well. was a man, if he was a man, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if I mean, they're going to make this big jump to the SEC, I feel like you got to kind of ride with your guys, you know? It's not fair to them, especially kids that are about to be freshmen that made that commitment, you know, probably years ago. It's just not fair to them. It's really, it's just really, like you said, it's, I think it's a, Think about his character. It says a lot about him. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'm not really a big fan of the way he left. I mean, I think you should always tell your team and tell your recruits before you leave because meeting with the team after you've already accepted it. And then he flew all the middle of the night on Sunday to get them out there. So that's kind of slimy in and of itself. And I don't have anything against him as a person. You know, I'm not going to judge his character, but I will say that you know, anytime that you tell all these kids in Norman, because there's a lot of people around the program that said he told those young players he was going to be there for years. He told the recruits he was going to be there for years. And, yeah, it's the nature of the business. But at the end of the day, you know, that just really reflects poorly upon you, upon your staff, upon the recruiting they're going to try to build at USC. Because, Lucas, you and I were talking about this earlier. You know, he has a lot of recruiting potential out there in California because we've seen so many top recruits from L.A., come down south. We've seen Bryce Young do that. Najee, DJ Ungalale, although he hasn't worked out so well at Clemson, he was a five-star, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, came down because, I mean, USC's been a joke for a while. And, you know, Clay Helton really tanked the program. But Lincoln Riley going out there, you know, he might be able to compete with the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States, who's been poaching LA's best talent for the last four or five years. So that's going to be really interesting to keep our eye on. Yeah, I think he, he. I think he's a good. Where he'll he'll be able to sell kids, like you said, on a future there, and you know, keeping Whoa. kids in state. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll work, but I think it's just cowardice, bro. Like that's all I think of it. Like I seen that, and I was like, man. Jess, so I see this. Do you think um, Mark Stoops there, Kentucky, built something nice? Bob Stoops was the coach at Oklahoma. Do you think there's any chance that Mark Stoops leaves? I hope not, dude. He might. I don't know. I doubt it, though. I mean, I think that would be... They said if he was going to leave, it was for LSU. That's what everyone was saying. If he was going to leave, it was going to be LSU. So I think... 
Yeah, I think Venables is the hire for Oklahoma. That's what I've been hearing. I think Brent Venables is their guy because he's been at Oklahoma before and he's a defensive-minded coach. And no disrespect to Lincoln Riley, but his defenses at Oklahoma were always either horribly average or horrible in general because they could not stop a nosebleed any big game they got into. And I feel like with um, with Dude, that was like the year year Kyler played at Oklahoma, they had the 117th best defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that team with a good defense would have won the national championship. I mean, they had a decent defense, like top 60. They would have won the national championship. They would, I would agree with that. It's and they, it always seems like they have like one or two like really good players too on that. So it just never works out. And another thing too, you know, when you're, it's kind of like what I said with LSU. You know, when you're trying to kind of reboot a program, you kind of want to bring in someone who comes from strong structure. And I think Venables at Clemson has a lot to do with their success. You know, not as much as Dabo, but it's close. Like I think. You know, he's been at Clemson for so long. He's built so many great defenses at Clemson. Because, I mean, you think about it, besides the one year they won with Deshaun Watson, they beat that great Bama team. You know, he had that incredible game. Clemson won with defense. The year they beat blew us out of the water in 2019, they had the best defensive line we've probably ever seen in college football. That defense, even this year, their offense is terrible. They've rebounded and done pretty well this year thanks to their defense. I mean, their defense is the only defense so far that's made Georgia's offense look bad. And we talk all day long about Georgia's defense, how dominant they've been. Their offense has been pretty darn good, too. And Clemson, their defense is so talented, so deep, so athletic, and they're coached so well. And I think if you get a guy like Venables in, he gets a good offensive coordinator, maybe a Dan Mullen from Florida. You know, I think that they could – kind of rebound into being a seven eight win team in a couple years but i do think the transition to the sec is going to be real tough on them and texas i think that is going to be a reckoning it's going to be a rude awakening because i mean sark he's building something at texas you know he had a rough year this year but it takes a year or two to kind of clean out that culture establish your own get your own guys in there all of that i think sark's gonna do fine at texas but man it's gonna be rough like oklahoma going in without lincoln riley without a lot of their you know their staff with a lot of recruits leaving, a lot of guys entering the transfer portal, that is going to be that, that's going to be rough, man. Yeah, I was wondering in in let's say five years, I'm wondering if like Mizzou will be a better program than those two. Which I mean, I think it's very well possible, but I don't see it happening. But I mean, maybe that's an interesting question. Who's not like Vanderbilt? Like they're they're a decent program. They had good there, but. Yeah, I mean, people forget they made two consecutive SEC championships in 2013 and 2014. And that seems like it's out of the realm of possibility now with Georgia, Florida, even Tennessee looking better. But there was a period there where Mizzou actually owned the East. Just going to skip over the team that's finished second in the SEC East, bro? I mean, you guys have had a great year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's super impressive. I mean, going 9-3 and in the SEC is an incredible feat. And... You know, the thing – I just want to say one more thing about this before we move on to some of the games. The thing that bothers me the most about people who criticize the SEC is they look at the record and they say, you know, oh, Texas A&M's 8-4, LSU 6-6, six and six, Auburn 6-6, six and six, Tennessee 7-5, assuming those teams aren't very good. But you watch the games, you watch them play, and you look at who they lost to. 
95% of all their losses came within the SEC. They beat up on each other. If there's a league where you got four or five teams with nine or ten losses and then the rest all have, you know, or I'm sorry, wins, say, like the Big Ten. You know, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Michigan State. They all got ten-plus wins. Everyone else in that conference is low down on the totem pole. The SEC, besides Alabama and Georgia, there's a ton of parity, and that means it's a better conference because if everyone else got eight, seven, six wins, that means they're all beating up on each other. In any conference in America where Florida finishes second to last, that's a really good conference. And I know Florida's been pretty bad this year, but they're still a six and six football team. There's still a team that was up on Georgia for a good amount of that football game in the first half. There's still a team that pushed Alabama to the brink. They have the talent. I mean, Dan Mullen had a terrible year coaching. But any conference that you could have Florida toward the end, like toward the bottom of the totem pole, good luck to Texas and Oklahoma because it is not going to be that kind to them. All right, but we got a huge conference championship Saturday coming up, and the final CFP rankings are looming. So I'm going to throw this question to you guys. After all the dust settles, the SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, all those championships are played. Even throwing the AAC in there because Cincinnati has a huge game coming up with Houston. Once all the conference championships are played, who do you think the Final Four will be? I'm going to say Georgia, uh, Michigan, okay, Cincinnati, and I don't know that fourth team. Probably Notre Dame. Probably. Wow, over Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think so. Because I don't think a Big 12 championship means that much this year. Mm. You think Oklahoma Oklahoma State wins? You think they beat Baylor? I guess so. Mm. I mean, if that's what it takes. I don't know. They've already beat Baylor once. It's hard to beat a team twice. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think Dame is a a strong possibility. Because the thing is, I don't think they're ranked up there like – for no reason, like I don't know, just Notre Dame always sneaks in. But I have it as Georgia, Michigan. Although I wouldn't count out Iowa, um, Alabama, and Oklahoma State. You think Alabama sneaks in? I I've maintained that there's no way. I don't think it matters what happens this weekend. Alabama's going to get in because the committee absolutely. Cincinnati, and I don't think they want to do Notre Dame again. And <clears throat> they totally do Notre Dame over Oklahoma State if they wanted to. Um, it'd be especially if Oklahoma State wins on Saturday. I think it'd be hard for you know recency, but I don't know something about Alabama. They always, no matter what, I just I think they always they want to keep at least one of those blue bloods in there. You know, whether it was Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson, I think they always want one of those guys in there right now. And so I think Alabama gets the nod in, just in number three and four. See, here's my dilemma, right? I really, deep down in my heart of hearts, want to say Alabama will be a playoff team when all the dust settles. And I actually think, you know, obviously Georgia's the favorite. They deserve to be favored. But I think Bama has a little bit better of a shot than most people are giving them credit for right now. But with that being said, I got Georgia going in as number one. I think they're going to win a close SEC championship against us. You know, I just think 
it being a, a year where our team's really young, you know, I think Georgia, it's just their time to shine. I think that their defense is unreal. I think that Kirby's hungry. I think with all the guys leaving for the NFL next year, that this is a great opportunity for Georgia to kind of steal one while the rest of the country is a little bit down from where they usually are, like Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, those teams not really being the quality we've seen in years past. I got Georgia number one easy. Number two, Michigan. I think they win the Big Ten. Pretty close game against Wisconsin. I'm sorry, Iowa. Pretty low scoring, but I think the Wolverines continue to roll. Third, I got Cincinnati. I mean, I hope Houston wins. I'm going to be pulling for Houston, but I think Cincinnati finishes off 13-0 and gets in. I got Baylor upsetting Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship, so that would create a huge headache for the committee. You'd have 11-1 Notre Dame, 11-2 Baylor, and 11-2 Alabama. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I think that they would give the nod to 11-1 Notre Dame because looking at it, I don't think that they would want to make Georgia play Alabama twice. And I've thought about this for a while. You know, I've, I've tossed and turned. I've looked, I've looked at it from all different angles. And as much as I want us to be in the playoff, as much as I would love for a rematch with UGA, I think the way they would look at it is Georgia had to play them once. They're the best team in the country. Do they really deserve to have to go through Nick Saban a second time to win a national championship? Because Notre Dame, although they're losing Brian Kelly, I have no idea who the interim is going to be at this moment. They've looked really good since that Cincinnati loss. And Cincinnati being 13-0 and winning out would be great for their cause, no doubt about it. Now, a scenario that would really shake things up is if Cincinnati loses, because then Notre Dame's loss is seriously, seriously devalued. If Notre Dame's only loss came to a Cincinnati team that lost to Houston in their conference championship game, that would open the door for Alabama and maybe even a two-loss Big 12 champion in Oklahoma in, um, Baylor. But if oh, I think if to your point, Jackson, if Oklahoma State wins, I think they're a lock for the playoff. I, I do. I think actually Cincinnati could be le- left on the outside looking in if Alabama beats Georgia, because then you'd have twelve and one Alabama, twelve and one Michigan, okay, twelve and one Georgia. That'd be your top three, regardless, in that order. That would be the e- easiest top three the committee's ever done. And then fourth, I think you would have 13-0 Cincinnati, 12-1 Oklahoma State, and 11-1 Notre Dame all sitting there. And I think 12-1 Oklahoma State would get the nod over 13-0 Cincinnati because I think that second straight top 10 win would catapult them because Cincinnati, their strength schedule isn't even top 100 this year. It's like 111-112. So I think the committee is going to look at that and say – you know, they've been a placeholder at number four, but a power five conference champion, I think, would leapfrog them. Yeah, I don't I don't hate any of those like theories playing out. I just to me, no matter I just I don't see Alabama not getting in. I think I don't know if that's like I hope the, you're right. <laughs> I feel like that's the pessimistic side of me where I'm like, there's just no way it'll be that easy. Like, you know, it's just we obviously we gotta beat them on Saturday. But I just I'm waiting for the fact the other shooter will have to beat them to win it all. Like you know, I just I just don't see a scenario in which that doesn't happen. I mean, it's as much as I that way because I think Georgia would walk to a title. And I mean, and the thing is, you can't even claim as a cakewalk to the title because I mean they will play Alabama in the SEC championship year. 
and they've played good teams during the regular season. You know, they were ranked high at their points. You know, no matter what happened to them afterwards, they were ranked high then and then yeah. beat Alabama in the SEC championship and then go through these playoffs. And, I mean, those teams aren't going to be pushovers. Like, they might – they could get ugly, but I think the teams will be pretty good, you know. I don't think it will be a joke. Yeah. I just, I just refuse to believe it. I don't know. Notre Dame, I don't – the thing about Notre Dame is their most impressive win was – neutral field yeah so i don't know how much love they'll actually get despite you know they're being a one-loss team and that one loss being cincinnati yeah i mean honestly i really hope you're right and i do think this might be kind of controversial but i do think a two-loss alabama team absolutely deserves it if oklahoma state loses because looking at the landscape i mean if you're okay I think they might end up favoring Notre Dame just to put someone different in there because although Notre Dame made it last year, I think Alabama putting them in at 11-2 and would make the committee look kind of shady and it would make them look like, oh, you know, they're favoring Alabama, this and that. Kind of like you're saying, Lucas, like Alabama makes it an off their brand name, their value. You said said earlier this year when we were talking about going to 12, a two-loss team doesn't deserve to play for a national championship. Well... You're not wrong, but I think looking at this year's landscape, it's different because say Oklahoma State does lose. You're going to have an 11-2 and Alabama team if we lose to Georgia. You're going to have an 11-2 and Baylor team. You're going to have an 11-1 and Notre Dame team. And Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference championship. So I think the lack of conference championship for but, Notre Dame should cost But if Cincinnati them. wins – Cincinnati's been ranked top two. All year. They're in it now. That would give Notre Dame's only loss to a team that played in the playoffs in, like, September. So they have but, a better resume than Bama at that point. Like, if we're going off resumes, Bama's resume isn't that great this year. Okay, but is, losing that old on the, at home. is Alabama losing on the road to A&M worse than losing to Cincinnati at home, though? Yes. Realistically. Because they yes. were unranked. They were unranked. Yes. Yeah, but look, they like finished six. they finished eight and four though, and I think in that environment, exactly. they, they, they don't have a quarterback. Their quarterback that good, like Texas Sam's quarterback isn't that good. It's just I don't know. It's and like I think a it's four worse. Overtime win doesn't look great. Yeah, no, Jackson. Honestly, that that is why I think if Bama loses, they're going to be out of the playoff because I think the committee is going to look at our recent games, like against LSU, kind of struggling against oh Arkansas, Auburn. Say, I, I think Georgia's probably going to win like twenty four to seventeen. I'm thinking I think thirty two to seven. I think it's going. No, I think it's going to be a pretty <laughs> low scoring game. I think Bama's going to hang in it till the very end. I think Georgia wins. But, you know, looking at it from the perspective of Georgia beating us, being 13-0, and you know, Bama kind of struggling in recent games, being 11-2, and I'd be happy with a Sugar Bowl berth. I'd be happy to go against Oklahoma State or Baylor and try to win and get to 12-2 and win a Sugar Bowl. That'd be a great season. You know, you can't win every single year, especially with a young team. But I think, honestly, Bama would be more deserving than Notre Dame just because – you play in the SEC, and you both were 11-1 and before championship Saturday. So going against the best team in the country, and say we barely lose, I think Notre Dame will probably get blown out in the same in scenario. And, you know, this might be null and void. We might get blown out by 21 points. But I have to say, if I had to predict it right now, as I said, it'd be Alabama – or no, I'm sorry. What is, what is that blowing in the background? <laughs> 
Oh, I was for breezing. My bad. Uh, oh, okay. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're for breezing, man. No, nah, it's good. It just got to distract me for a minute. Gotta get that got... stench out of here. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that Bama stench, right? Yeah. If I if I was a bet man, I had to put money on it. I would probably say georgia michigan cincinnati notre dame and then a georgia michigan national championship and one last little thing i want to say michigan i don't i i think georgia would win would win that national championship but i think michigan could make it interesting with the way they play i think they could those dns are really good good aiden hutchinson is a top three pick probably yeah, I mean, what a what a year for defensive ends in college football. I mean, Hutchinson, Ajobo, Will Anderson. I mean, we are seeing so many elite pass rushers yeah, in this year's draft class and next. Thibodeau, exactly. I mean, it's incredible. All right, now it's time for our weekly game picks, and we're going to be starting off with Thursday night football between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. The Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Give me the Cowboys. I know they're dealing with a little COVID outbreak, but I don't think that'll matter much because I think New Orleans is – they're trying to roll out Taysom Hill, I think. They're trying to get him first-team reps. I don't see that – this game. I think Dallas gets a bounce back win here. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think Dallas Dallas probably needs it more than New Orleans does, honestly. Yeah, yeah I think they, it's a bounce. Go ahead, they, Lucas. If they want to keep up in the like for a like top seed, they have to win this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a bounce back win for the Cowboys. You know, I think they got embarrassed on um, a wild Thanksgiving Day game. You know, the Raiders came in. I should have picked the Raiders in that game, man, because that just smelled like a game that the Cowboys would blow, and they did blow it. But I think, you know, on Thursday Night Football, Dak can go in, make some magic happen. Cowboys win. Next up, we got the Buccaneers at the Falcons. The Buccaneers are 11-point favorites on the road. Mm, that is a rough I will – Take Tampa Bay to win the game. I think it will be fairly easy because I still think Falcons have a lot of holes. It's not a complete. It'll be it'll be ugly. Is Calvin still depressed? Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. Oh, that's frustrating. Calvin's giving it. Issues. <laughs> Oh, dude, my bad. <laughs> You're um, good, man. I was thinking about Calvin. I was thinking, him. was that yeah. funny? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to take the Falcons. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You don't sound too confident, dude. It's just one of the things, like, I don't see Matt Ryan losing this many games in a row. So I'm just going to take it just because he's Matt Ryan. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I got to go with Tampa, man. I'm sorry. I just feel like, you know, they're a better team. They're coming off a really emotional win. I think that they'll be able to walk into Atlanta and have a repeat from last Sunday. Next up, we got your Cardinals, Jackson Kelly, going to Chicago to face Justin Fields. Supposedly, he'll be back. And the Bears. The Cardinals are a touchdown favorite on the road. Oh, God. Yeah, we're going to win that game, dude. Kyler's back, hopefully. But even if Colt plays, dude, we, we got it. I mean, he shared the Thanos gift, so we all kind of assume he's back. Yeah. 
No, he's bad, dude. Just trust me. Yeah, he's back. I talked to him last night. <laughs> Sources say, yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're in bed with him all the time. <laughs> pause. <laughs> that might be the greatest pause moment in the history oh, of the backfield boys, right there, man. Play, bro. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I think – I'm curious to see how the weather will be for this game. I don't think it will matter, though. Thank you. Cardinals roll, you know, top two team in the NFL. Jesus I think that they Christ. show <laughs> – I said that to Troy, by the way. Yeah, Cardinals win. Next up, we got the Chargers at the Bengals coming up live nationally on CBS. The Bengals are three-point favorites at home. Hmm. Uh, this, I honestly, I'd love to watch this game that I don't know. I really love Joe Burrow and I really love Justin Herbert. So I'd love to see them, you know, against each other, but I got the chargers here. I think the pass rush, I think Joey Bosa will get home a decent amount on Joe Burrow. And I just pull off an upset. Uh, I got the chargers as well this week. Just a gut feeling. Don't know why, but that's Yeah. They should. I feel like the Bengals are really good one week and then off the next. We got a threesome of surprising picks here because I got the Chargers as well. I was expecting you guys to go for the Bengals, but I think the Chargers bounce back, win this football game. You know, they kind of own the AFC North this year besides the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens crushed them, but, I mean, they beat my Steelers pretty easily. Yeah, so in a, in a sh- <laughs> Except for the Cardinals in that Super Bowl and uh, – what was it, 10, 11 years ago? Yeah, you were like four. <laughs> I still remember it. I still remember jumping up, running around the house, celebrating a Super Bowl, which neither one of you have ever done. Just just throwing that out there. Yeah, we also don't support rape, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, next up, we got the Vikings at the Lions. The Vikings are seven-point favorites on the road against the endless, hapless Detroit Lions. That Vikings. I'm done with the Lions, dude. Yeah, after last week's debacle, I'm I'm totally off Detroit. Further notice, I there's just no reason to pick them. Zero amount of hope. Yeah, I got the Vikings. I think they're the best team in the NFL with the losing record. I think they're going to get to six and six, hanging that wild card spot. I got the Vikings rolling in Detroit. Next up, we got the Giants at the Dolphins. The resurgent Dolphins are three-point favorites at home, coming off Tua Tagovailoa's great performance against the number one pass defense in the NFL. He was one of four players since 1950 to have a over 80% passing completion percentage. This man was dropping dimes all over the field. He played his best game yet as a pro, and the Dolphins are going to continue to roll. They're going to win this football game. I'm picking it early because Tua's got me fired up. He's showing why he's a franchise quarterback. He's showing why he's eventually going to be a top 10 quarterback, and he's showing why the Dolphins made a good choice drafting him. I don't care anymore. Who do they play? The Giants. Uh, Yeah, the Giants will win. <laughs> Still Dude, the if they win, man. If they, oh my gosh! Well, we almost went the entire show with talking without talking about Tua, but here we are, and I regret <laughs> to say I'll. Even though coming off of my big Giants gut pick, 
Next up, we got the Eagles at the Jets. The Eagles are six and a half point favorites on the road. I'll take the Jets. <laughs> you can't... Jets, and I mean, you got it last week, but. Yeah, dude. I'm taking the Jets, dude. <laughs> Rolling with them. Mm. Okay. I'm very patriotic. <laughs> I I feel. I guess I feel. Well, no. I feel like if you I feel like you'd be more patriotic if you chose the Eagles. No, dude, not in Philly. Yeah, America was born in Philadelphia. I was thinking about 9/11, dude. But whatever. Whatever. <laughs> oh, you associate <laughs> Jets with 9/11? <laughs> Yeah, oh. dude. I was okay. just trying to bring it back. <laughs> I'm not bringing it back, dude. That ain't what I meant, bro. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Give me. I'm with you, man. Eagles all the way. Next up, we have the Colts at the Texans in a snoozer AFC West show or AFC South showdown. Rather, the Texans are an eight point underdog at home. Not the Texans. I'm picking not the Texans. <laughs> That's my pick. Oh, dude, give me the Colts. Super Bowl <laughs> contender Colts. Super Bowl contending Colts. Yeah. You think they can win a Super Bowl? <laughs> I think they could. I mean, anyone could. The Detroit Lions still technically could. They're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. No, like, I think they're... Uh, easily top two team in the AFC. Top what? Two. Top two? Yeah. Wow. Okay, I respect that. I'm loving them. <laughs> I think I'd take Kansas City and New England over them, but I'm not disagreeing with you entirely. I think they're a really good team right now. Despite blowing that game, I think that they could make a run in the playoffs if they make it. Yeah. But, yeah, I got the Colts winning. I got them pretty easily. I think they're going to easily cover that 8.5. They're a much better team than Houston is. Next up, we got the football team at the Raiders. The I almost said the Oakland Raiders, dude. I that is the one team that I've really struggled with the name change. Like the Chargers, it was a very seamless transition for me, San Diego to LA. But I always just want to call them Oakland. Just Las Vegas hasn't stuck for me. Both but, I, I struggle with both of them and the yeah. Redskins. I struggle with the Chargers a lot. Yeah, I still struggle with the Chargers. Yeah, but the Las Vegas Raiders are two and a half point favorites at home. Now, the football team right now, they're five and six. They're super resurgent. I mean, they went from being the worst team in the NFL to a playoff contender <laughs> in the NFC, believe it or not. So who wins, Raiders or football team? I'm taking the Raiders. You know what? I have the Raiders written down. The football team, because I don't know. Wow. It seems, I like what I saw tonight from them. It wasn't an awesome performance, but I liked what I saw. And this seems like a classic Raiders letdown spot, where after going to Dallas the way they did, they just come back home and drop an egg here. <laughs> true. I, Very true. I, I, this, this is a hard pick for me, man. I'm going to go with the Raiders, but I honestly understand exactly where you're coming from, Lucas, because... Looking at it from the perspective of they're the Raiders and coming off a huge emotional victory, they could disappoint. It makes a lot of sense. But I just think at home, you know, the football team eventually kind of has to fall back down to earth. Give me, give, give me Vegas. Give me the Raiders. 
Next up, we have the putrid Jacksonville Jaguars going on the road to face the Rams. The Rams are 12 and a half point favorites at home. And I just want to get this one out of the way. I got the Rams rolling. I feel like the Jaguars are an absolute joke. They're pitiful. They're the worst team in the NFL. They should be embarrassed to even be a franchise. They're about to lose their coach to Notre Dame or a better job. But let's be honest, pretty much any Power 5 program is a better job than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would probably rather coach the Kansas Jayhawks than the Jacksonville Jaguars. With that being said, I think the Rams are going to roll in this game. I think they're going to win by at least three touchdowns. This is going to be a resurgence in Los Angeles. They've lost three straight games, but I think they get back on track with this because it's like playing a JV team. I mean, it's like playing a, a high school team if you're a college team. So I don't think they should have anything to be worried about. They can get Odell some reps. You know, They can get their backup quarterback some reps. Matthew Stafford might have to play a quarter or two, throw a couple touchdowns, get on the bench. It'll be a party out in L.A. Rams win easily. Hmm, okay. Well, that was cap, <laughs> but I'm taking the Rams. Yeah. So cap, but you, but you, at the, at the end of the day, agree. Yeah. Uh, For with that, I mean, I think you went a little far. Yeah, always go a little far with the Jags, but. Yeah, I think this is a good right, get right game for LA. They needed they needed this game to come up on the schedule. Next up, we got the 49ers at the Seahawks in an NFC West clash. The 49ers are two and a half point favorites on the road after re- having a great resurgence so far, being six and five. The Seahawks, however, have been absolutely terrible. They're three and eight so far this year. This this would be my lock of the weeks for the 49ers here. The 49ers, like I would if I would put a substantial amount of money on this. If I could, like, I just, I think this is an easy pick. San Fran all the way. Yeah, I'm taking San Fran too. This feels like a game the Seahawks are going to win, but after watching that debacle against the football team, there's no way I can pick them in good confidence. So give me the 49ers on the road, looking like one of the best teams in the NFC all of a sudden, looking like a top five, top six team, looking like an easy playoff team out there. You know, just completely turning the tables. You know, it's just been a really impressive run for them. Give me the 49ers. Next up, Sunday Night Football. We got the Broncos at the Chiefs in an AFC West showdown. The Chiefs are a whopping 10-point favorite over the resurgent Broncos. Mm, Chiefs win, but I think Broncos definitely cover. Mm, yeah, give me the Chiefs here. I, they're, they've been playing good recently. Coming off a bye, I like them. I agree. I think the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football are usually a safe bet. Besides earlier in this year when they lost to the Bills, you know, I think Kansas City at home in a big game, especially at night, usually gets the job done. So give me Kansas City to get the win. Next up, our last game, we got the Patriots at the Bills on Monday Night Football, a huge AFC East showdown. The Bills are three-point favorites at home, despite the Patriots being arguably the hottest team in the NFL. I feel like the Bills have to win this game. So I'm going to take them. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the Patriots would be, I don't know, they've been playing out of their minds recently. I think they've found some magic, old magic. But Buffalo has also found something in Matt Breida in the run game. I think that he's provided a spark that they needed for to balance out that offense and help Josh Allen some. 
Allen still has to clean up those interceptions. It's been not great these last couple weeks, but I think I'm with you guys, man. I got the Bills winning this game, and I think the Patriots are still a Super Bowl contender. I still think they're a really great team, and they've had an incredibly impressive resurgence. But at the same time, I can't really sit up here and say I believe in them to win a big Monday night football game against Josh Josh Allen. You know, the Bills, they, they need to prove something, and I think this is the week they do it. I think they get the win. I think they get it done. <laughs> 